Houston sometimes calls itself the Magnolia City, and I love those strange, leather-leafed trees. But is that a problem? Either because of the past, because they're symbols of the Old South, or because of the future, because they may not stand up to climate change. Today, I am talking with CityCast's environmental contributor, Jaime Gonzalez. It is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Hey, Jaime. How's it going? Hey, Lisa. It's going well. How are you doing? I am good. So, magnolias. Do you want to talk about magnolias? Yeah. You know, magnolias are giant white flowers, really beautiful. And if you have a chance, go and smell one because they're super fragrant. But, you know, the magnolia is a, a very, very ancient species. And it has a lot to do with kind of the character and how we see each other uh, and how we see this place. It's an it's a important part of placemaking. And so it's not just a, a simple tree to pass up or to plant. It, it has lots of different dimensions. And I think for me, that's cool because the closer you look at nature, uh, just like anything, the more relationships and spidering of meaning come out of it. So it's a, it's a neat plant that we pass every day, but we don't always think about it. So I associate magnolias with the Old South and plantations, and I always feel a little guilty for loving them. Is it racist of me to love magnolias? No, I don't think it's racist of you to love magnolias. I think that uh-huh. when we think about the kind of the human dimensions of interacting with wildlife or plants, we always put it through our cultural perspective. You know, one thing that's cool about the magnolia uh, line of trees is it's one of the earliest flowering plants. So they are about 100 million years old as a group of trees. They're so old that they preceded bees by like 30 million years. So um, they're very, very ancient. And and as we uh, developed here in Houston and developed in the Old South, it became a symbol because, as you know, most people spend a lot more time outside than they do now. And so what they saw around them became a part of their cultural identity, became a, 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 a placemaking thing. And so it's not surprising because magnolias were so abundant in the South that that became one of the leading symbols of the Old South. Because these are trees that you don't see in other places. Yeah, these are trees that really yeah. grow in the South uh, and, and historically along rivers here in by, on bayous here in Houston, along river systems. But people saw the beauty and they transplanted them to where they live, right? And that's happened here in Houston too. I think it's just a, a larger part of knowing this place, Houston, Texas, to know that we have these Old South bones to the city culturally and ecologically, and how do you deal with that in a way that uh, that doesn't force you to get rid of some really cool stuff like magnolias, in my opinion, but there are some other people that think otherwise. So, like, Houston like loved magnolias back in the day, right? We proclaimed ourselves the Magnolia City. That's right. And, you know, this this kind of came out a few years ago. I, I collect uh, Starbucks mugs. To remind <laughs> myself. I know it's a silly thing, right? <laughs> But they stack well, but they also kind of, they give you an insight into what people think of that place because of all the symbols on there. So, you know, the mug for Houston has, you know, references to NASA and oil and barbecue and this and that. And in a small little corner, it has the Magnolia City. And I thought at the time, the Magnolia City, we have so many great nicknames, but I wouldn't have thought that that would be on the mug. 
And so I started researching it. This was years back. And I found that for sure, as early as 1870, um, nationally, Houston was called the Magnolia City. And it really was like the big name, nickname for Houston through probably the 1920s. And a lot of people think of it as the Bayou City or Clutch City or uh, the Space City, which is our official nickname. But Magnolia's figured very prominently in art and in our own kind of self-identification early on. Oh. Do you have a sense of what they stood for? Were people saying this is a beautiful green place? Yeah. I, well, I, I think it's a couple of things. I think people drew on what was around them. So particularly in the Harrisburg area early uh, on in East Houston, in places, Magnolia Forest along the bayous and in places were beautiful. And they're towering species when you don't have them growing in a neighborhood and you grow them uh, along bayous and rivers with that rich alluvial soil. We're talking about a species that gets like 80 or 90 feet tall. If you want to get a sense for what wow. uh, magnolias might have looked like here in Houston, uh-huh. uh, take a trip to Rienzi, which is owned by the Museum of Fine Arts Houston. It's off of uh, Kirby in River Oaks. And the collections are great. Mm-hmm. Go down to the, the gardens along the bayou and you see these towering magnolia trees. And we're not used to seeing them that tall because they grow in residential, we plant them in residential places. But you can see how beautiful and majestic they were. And it and it shows you why people might have picked that as a symbol. And yes, we have to remember that so many of the people that populated this area back in the 1820s and 30s and 40s were from places like Mississippi and Louisiana and places that had already used that symbol as a part of identity. Oh, that's interesting. And so now there are people who object to planting magnolias in public places because they say that it harkens back to the Old South, right? Are you seeing that? You know, I'm not seeing it so much here in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some, uh, there were some debates that are happening around the new Mississippi flag. So as you know, the old Mississippi oh. flag had the stars and bars on it, uh, the battle flag of the Confederacy, uh, a symbol, uh, depending on, on your perspective of hate or, or legacy. But what they've replaced that with is a large magnolia blossom in the middle of the flag. And so some people saw that as uh, just a a symbol of aesthetics and beauty. And some people saw it as kind of a code. Um, So it really depends on your perspective on what it means to, uh, like you said, to co-opt an ancient species, which was around before humans were by a long, long shot. For your right. own purposes or not. So I don't think that there's any, I think with nature, there's no one owns the ultimate meaning of what species mean or placemaking. So I think you're just going to have a lot of different opinions. Yeah. Why is it that we would want to plant magnolias besides that they are beautiful? I think there's a lot of reasons to plant magnolias. Mm-hmm. They're pretty hardy, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they grow in lots of neighborhoods. The flower is just very majestic. And if you've never, like I said earlier, if you've never smelled a magnolia, we, uh, we make memories in lots of different ways. And the strongest memories that we encode are multisensory. Uh, and it makes sense, right? They, they get stored more strongly. So with the magnolia, it's the aesthetic, you know, the visual, but it's also the, the olfactory, just the smell of it for many old Houstonians and people who grew up here like me. It is a smell of kind of this late spring, early summer period. And it just, right. it, it makes us kind of harken back to our childhoods. It's that get out of school smell. 
it's that get out of school smell. It, it really is. And also kind of these dreamlike, humid summer evenings that turn pleasant when you're going out for your after evening walk. Yeah. Just stopping by those, it really brings up those memories for me. In terms of wildlife, it feeds quite a few things, including squirrels and opossums, and even deer will eat the leaves where deer, you have deer. Those those waxy, woody leaves. Yeah, it's it's okay. it's uh, they'll browse. Well, deer will eat anything, right? <laughs> they will browse on lots yeah. of different okay. things, and the twigs is what they mostly yeah. go after. What do squirrels eat? They eat the seeds. Okay, so like those red. Yeah, so those red little seeds that almost look like um, M and M's. Yeah, don't confuse them for M and M's because they're 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 a little bit mildly poisonous to humans. Don't okay. do that. But right. for squirrels and other creatures, they're they're high in protein, so they go after those as well. Oh, cool! And can okay. I tell you one more thing? Oh, please! If you have a low growing magnolia, they are about the best tree climbing tree for kids. Oh, I, I've talked with a lot of my friends about magnolias. I asked them uh, previous to recording this. They're like, oh yeah, I love magnolia. What do you like? Well, they're pretty. But because their branches are kind of sprawling and low early on, and they're kind of hidden because they're kind of bushy at the beginning, they make great little refuges, almost like tree houses. Oh, so you like get inside close to the trunk. Your mom can't see what you're up to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like your secret lair. And so I think for a lot of kids who grew up with magnolias, it's a great tree climbing tree, which is <laughs> it's great. It's awesome. Right. Are there going to be magnolias for future kids to climb? Trees live a long time. So when we're planting new ones, we have to look ahead 50 or 100 years. Do you think magnolias are going to hold up to climate change? You know, we're, we're really kind of at the western extent of magnolias anyway. They're kind of a southeastern expression of a species. So we're in sort of the wet part of the United States, right? Right. We're kind of that south, yeah. a southeastern wet think alligator, Spanish humid. moss, live oaks, right. humid. But as we start to warm up, as we start to dry out, as you're seeing in the West, I'm, you know, I'm really interested in finding out, are some of these, you know, prototypical Southern species going to be able to make it? Or are they going to start migrating up? So you'll start to get magnolias in places a little further north than maybe they were historically. So I think it's, I think that there's that. And I also think that there is, just this uh, this notion for me of we are surrounded by uh, living plants every day, and it kind of mirrors kind of where the human population has come from. We've pulled stuff from all over the world. They're immigrants. There are things that have been here since historical periods. And then there's stuff that's so old and ancient that they existed before Houston was actually land. And magnolias are one of those things. Like, <laughs> we didn't have dinosaurs here. Because this was an ocean, right? <laughs> so so magnolias existed in Texas before Houston was land. And that's kind of a profound yeah. thought that they lived alongside the dinosaurs. Uh, they have to be pollinated by beetles because there were no bees oh. or butterflies to pollinate them early on. So they formed this really association with like beetles and flies. It's kind of strange. But that's oh, wow. the thing, I think, as we think about placemaking, we are taking and remixing plants from all over the world, but also all these different ages in, in Earth's history. So it's kind of cool for me to think about the ancestors of these plants being there when the dinosaurs were there. Right. And thinking about their ranges moving. So do we have any sense of whether magnolias will continue to exist here? Do they need a ton of water? Can they take droughts? 
Can they take flooding? Yeah, they can take some dryness, but really, if you take a look at where they really like to be, they like to be in kind of sandy clayey soil. We call it loamy soil mm-hmm. near uh, near rivers and bayous, right? And they can tap into deep water sources there, right? And yeah. so wherever they're situated on those water courses, they tend to do well. I'm more concerned about them being used as a landscaping tree and in cities where the conditions are harsher. It's hotter, it's drier. Um, and, and where you have uh, soils like clay soils, like our, our gumbos, right, that nice. can split apart and then come together based on the rain. So, you know, as we start to get uh, what is forecasted to be a, a, a more kind of extreme weather, Houston, of droughts and even more f- heavy floods and things, I'm not sure how that species is going to fare, as well as some other species that we're just on the on the range for. So. We'll have to see, and I'm sure somebody has a, a good answer, but I'm going to dig in a little bit more. Oh, that's interesting. Because so, I love magnolias, and I want them to. I love them. Okay. So <laughs> we definitely ought to be planting them near bayous. And until we get yeah. better guidance on like how climate adaptive they are, I think mm-hmm. they're still fine to, to plant yeah. in, in cities and in suburbs. Yeah. For all those future tree climbing kids. Yes. <laughs> we need them to climb trees. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Jaime. This has been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And hey, go out and smell of magnolia this week. It'll be worth your while. Now, I am here with lead producer Dina Kesba. Dina, what else is going on around Houston today? Hey, Lisa. Okay, y'all, here's what I've been reading up on today. Metallica, yes, the legendary Metallica, chose the Lone Star College from, mind you, a very competitive pool of community colleges to get funding through their All Within My Hands Foundation. The money would support students while also highlighting the importance of technical careers, meaning, you know, getting students ready to become welders and work with different type of heavy metal or even enter, you know, the performing arts industry, setting up lighting, sound, stages for entertainers such as Metallica which would be really cool. (laughs) How awesome is it that the Lone Star College was selected for the fourth time in a row for this program? Now, funding is planned to cover tuition and fees, supplies, and textbooks. That is it for our show today. But before we go, I've got two more things. First off, we have got a correction. On Friday's News Roundup, I misheard Olivia Flores Alvarez. She said that several Texas prisons don't have air conditioning. But instead of several, I heard federal. And part of the later conversation implied that it's federal prisons that lack AC. It is, of course, the state prisons, not the feds. We are sorry if we misled any of you. Second, we are working on a show about Houston's best date nights, and we would love to use your voice on our show. Please call our voicemail, 713-489-6972, and tell us your name, your suggestion, and why this place is so great for dates. Or, if you're too shy for that, you can text us at the same number. We will have it in our show notes. Talk with you tomorrow. Bye. Okay, let me try again. Y- you see, I can I keep calling Dina by the wrong job title too. I have mental blocks. I'm sorry. All right.